0: Hey love, how are you?
1: Hello, darling. I'm better now that I see your face because it's probably the best thing in my life right now that I get to see because the world's kind of shit.
0: <laughs> Same. Yeah, the the last week has been fucking awful and it <laughs> it just keeps getting worse.
1: Disheartening and depressing and yeah, all the above.
0: Yeah, it's fucking terrible and it you kind of can't go anywhere without reading about it. But the thing is, is that similarly with COVID, I know there was a lot of like podcasts and stuff that I used to listen to that I stopped listening to because all they did was talk about COVID. And I, I know like I'm I'm living here and I'm, I'm living in reality and, and I, I use, I see my podcast, you know, certain podcasts as an escape and as entertainment. And I think that that's Amy and I have made a decision to make this like a safe space to be able to escape to when everything is going to shit. So we're not really going to get into all that, but it's fucking terrible. And it's, (laughs) I'm laughing because my defense mechanisms are at an 11. It's just getting worse. Because otherwise
1: we would be sobbing. Yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Which is what I spent my weekend doing. So we just want to keep this kind of as a sacred safe haven for you guys to escape, you know, the shittiness of the world and, you know, maybe whatever shit might be going on in your lives and you can escape into the (laughs) the chaos of the ghosts and the aliens and the murder and the crime. So that's kind of where we are on that. And I hope that's okay with everyone. If not, you know, let us know.
1: That's what the news is for. If you want to hear about that, there's enough on the news.
0: There's so many things. It's literally everywhere. I was like,
1: this is my escape too, like from reality. So I like to come and have Monique tell me about all of the scary ghosties and all of the horrifying true crime.
0: Absolutely, it, it definitely is a, an escape for me as well. So you know, it's the thing I look forward to. Of like, well, at least you know, I got this going on. Just know that we love you guys so much, and. This is a hard fucking time, but we will get through it as we always do, because I remember hearing something that progress while slow is inevitable. Yes. It's not a linear line either. Apparently there's lots of (laughs) one step forward, two steps back, but we uh, will get through this. So did you do anything
1: this weekend? I just kind of, I worked this weekend, obviously. That's what I do all the time working, yeah. but I did get to finish Stranger Things finally. That was my escape from the world. And? Oh my God, it's so good. I cannot wait for the rest of the season.
0: It's so good. I think it's next week that it drops or when this drops. Wait, really? Yes. Oh, you just made me the happiest girl in the world.
1: Because you 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 waited so fucking long. <laughs> I waited so long. <laughs> this was my plan all along. I was just going to wait it out. <laughs> That's my favorite. My favorite is actually when I discover uh, a book series and it's like when the last book comes out or like the last book's coming out like next month. And I just have like seven books of a series to read and like look forward to it. And then I'm like, I didn't have to do any of the waiting or any of the pain. (laughs) Like that was amazing. Brett Gelman, who plays Murray, is my favorite character.
0: I love him so fucking much. I can't handle it.
1: I literally can't handle it. It's like, the no-ho-hank effect where, like, he steals every scene he's in. absolutely fucking Yes. He literally steals every scene he's in. He's so phenomenal. His like, I'm a black belt, but I've never actually had to fight anybody. <laughs> and then it, he turns <laughs> into, like, the biggest badass. Like, I am just, uh, I'm so enamored. It was, like, so, so wonderful to see him in that show.
0: Yeah. It's just so great. It's such a great show. And... I just love it. I I love all of it. I thought it was such a great season or, you know. Oh my God. Yes. Eight tenths of a season because it's only two episodes that are dropping as the rest of it, which is kind of annoying, but you know,
1: I'll take what I can get. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why in my head I was like, I'm getting eight more episodes like this greedy bitch. Well,
0: because that would fucking make sense. I don't know. I'm not complaining. I'm happy that, that it's here. So that's wonderful.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm so happy that I got to finish it. Fucking phenomenal.
0: Can't wait. Uh, Yeah. And that, of course, in episode four, which is like the big episode of the the season, Christina had texted me and she was like, are you watching Stranger Things? And I'm like, no, girl, I don't have fucking time to do anything. This is before I saw it. And she's like, okay, in episode four, you're not going to breathe the last minute of the episode. And then you're going to listen to the song for like a week. I was like, okay. And then I remember watching the episode and holding my breath, and then looking looking at the like timestamp, and I was like, "Oh, this is the moment. This is like what is it?" <laughs> she
1: moment. called it. She called my it. my breath is baited.
0: and yes,
1: uh, <gasps> Christina knew.
0: She knew. I mean, she knows what time it is. Fuck yeah! Have you seen the trailer for the the next part?
1: No, I kind of wanted to keep myself it, like in the dark, so it would be, all be a surprise to me. Should I watch the
0: trailer? Sure. I mean, it, there's nothing of note that is revealed in the trailer. It just looks awesome and it has Kate Bush's song in it.
1: Okay. I love that. I have no complaints about that. Yeah. Did you watch anything this week that I need to get on or what?
0: No, I kind of couldn't I didn't have the like mental bandwidth to do anything new. So I just rewatched Bo Burnham's Inside. Ah <gasps> so good. And I found out four weeks ago he released an hour of outtakes. Yeah. I was gonna say, did you, yeah. Did you? I haven't
1: watched it yet, but I did know that that came out. That came out.
0: I haven't seen it, and I was like, I have to work, so I can't, I can't watch this now. But I'm very excited because all the reviews were like, it's. If you think it's outtakes because they weren't as funny as what was in the special, like, no, it's it's wonderful. Oh, I'm sure. I did see John Mulaney.
1: <gasps> that's right. You told totally me. How was he? He's. I enjoy him so thoroughly.
0: It was good it wasn't in my opinion the best of his specials okay i think he is still in those growing pains of finding out who he is it like his new image because 80% of the stand up was about his intervention and rehab okay yeah
1: So when I went to the comedy show with Johnny for his birthday, John Mulaney was one of the performers and he, that was most of his bit as well. So I have a feeling this was the kind of the start of his comedy special.
0: Right. So I went to that show as well.
1: Oh fuck. I forgot that. Sorry. Space cadet over here.
0: Yeah. So it's like double the amount of time of that. It's like more detail of than that.
1: Really? Yeah. Which honestly, the bit was fine. I thought that it really didn't, you didn't really need to get more in detail of that, it was. I thought it was funny then, but if you're harping on it for twice as long, maybe it's not.
0: Right? Yeah, it's kind of like that. It's just like the the intervention and and rehab are like the predominant chunk of of the special.
1: Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I believe I'm going to see that same special because he's touring
0: now. Yes.
1: Yeah, I think it's coming to UBS in September. If I'm not mistaken. It is. Yeah. So. I'll probably see it then, so I'll have to to wait a few months before I weigh in on this. But now I'm prepared, because I was get, definitely going to have high hopes, which leads me to ruin sometimes.
0: I mean, I thought it was funny. I enjoyed it. But I also think it's, you know, because because we did see it in September last year. Yes. We did see him perform in September. It was, like, just that, but in more detail, for the most part.
1: You can have a bit on that, but you got to do other stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean, it kind of seems like that's the thing that he and the public identify him as these days. Okay. As opposed to like him being an asshole who like left his wife and had a baby and like the timelines don't really. I know with
1: Olivia Munt. Yeah. Uh,
0: they don't really add up, which incidentally, I don't know if you go- follow them on the gram. That baby is so fucking cute. I actually can't handle my life about it.
1: No, but she's gorgeous. So I'm not surprised, honestly. That baby has great genes, clearly.
0: Yes, it is so cute. And there's like a video of John Mulaney just like blowing raspberries on the baby's back. And he like is just giggling up a storm. It's the cutest fucking thing ever. Oh, it's so cute. I love that. Yeah. Well, because even like the, the merch, like one of the shirts is a white shirt with black lettering that says I saw him right after he got out of rehab. <laughs> It's not even, I saw John Mulaney. It's, I saw him right after he got out of rehab. I
1: saw him. Yeah. <gasps> okay.
0: Because that's like a thing that should be, I mean, it's very self-aware, I guess. Um, Give me a
1: Hellfire Club shirt any day over that. Girl! No, thank you. So good. I love Hellfire. Did yours come in yet?
0: Oh yeah. I've worn it like five times already. It's not possible for me to love that shirt any more than I do. Like when I opened the package that came in, I was like, oh my God. It looks so good. <laughs> <laughs> Just like tears. She's like, ugh. Literally. And I was like, I'm wearing this right now. Correct. It's amazing. Yeah. It's wonderful. I love it so much. Good. Yeah. That's the correct response. hmm But that's kind of it, I think. You know, when, oh, it, you know, Pride happened this weekend.
1: Yeah.
0: Or last weekend, by the time you guys hear it. Happy Pride.
1: Happy Pride. Yeah. I know. I saw some fireworks. Yeah. was like, public transportation was a nightmare. It's great.
0: Empire State Building was lit up. Rainbow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. I love when they do that. I do, too. I love that. Yeah, I guess that's kind of it. My end. Fun. You ready to get into it, then? I need it so bad.
1: Do you? I do. Okay. I fucking soy bad. (laughs) (laughs) Soy. Not almond milk bad. Soy milk bad. Thank you.
0: Well, what's funny is that that's, like, the most insider joke ever, and there's only one person. Donna is the only person who'll, like, get it. We have a friend of ours who's Australian, and he has an Australian accent, obviously. So whenever he says so, it sounds like soy. So me and Nelly, like, whenever we are saying something, is like, very, like, to the 11th, we'll say it's soy, whatever. And then Donna heard us doing it. She's like, soy is, like me, or like, I am. And it's like, oh, no, we're, like, we're mimicking Ed.
1: <laughs> this I, yeah, I'm with uh, Donna. I assumed this was a Spanish soy joke.
0: Right, because that would make sense because I'm Spanish.
1: Yes, not Australian.
0: Not Australian.
1: Last time I checked,
0: yes. This is a very niche thing. <laughs> so whenever anything is, like, a lot, it's soy. It's soy bad. <laughs> I love that.
1: A lot. And now I'm in on the joke. So thank you.
0: Also on a super side thing, before we get into this, I was on the gram right before hopping on. And there's a woman that I went to grade school. And I want to say high school with, who's like two years older than me, whose name was also Monique and has a last name with an S. So it's like, oh shit. So I see her on Instagram and she's like, Amy and Monique are doing this thing. And I was like, is someone writing a thing about us? No, she's like doing some project with a woman named Amy because what are the fucking odds? Get out of here. Yeah. What
1: are the odds? Someone calculate that for me.
0: That's like... I think it's a glitch in the matrix. I don't know. Girl, the simulation,
1: like I said, is getting real fucking weird. They need to like delete some code or some shit. I don't know what's going on, but somebody needs to fix the virus that's infecting this machine. Thank you.
0: For sure. That'd be great. If anyone could get on it molto pronto, thanks. Yeah. Aliens, get on that.
1: You're fucking it up real bad. Real bad. I was like, I don't know who you have at the controls right now, but they're doing a (laughs) shit job. They need to be fired and or like demoted. Literally.
0: They're dropping the fucking ball. They're out to lunch. Yeah. What the fuck?
1: (laughs) He's got it on autopilot. (laughs) He's got his dog like walking on the keys. It's a nightmare.
0: But yeah, I just, I had to share that because it was so fucking random and like literally what are the odds?
1: Don't think you can imitate and compare with the original <laughs> dynamic duo, Monique and Amy. Come
0: on. Oh, they're definitely not. It's something, like, wildly different. It's like a hippy-dippy, like, yoga self-help, like, retreat or something, which I'm totally here for. You know I'm all, like, very woo-woo and self-helpy. I'm going to be like, boo,
1: murders and ghosts.
0: <laughs> Can't we all just get along, guys? Do yoga and the murders and ghosts. Uh, I'm okay with that. Yeah, so it was just so... Funny and random. That is very weird. Yeah.
1: We're drawn together. Monique's and Amy's.
0: Clearly.
1: Yeah, we belong together.
0: I'm not upset about it, clearly.
1: No. We belong
0: together. Mariah. Fuck yeah. Mm, girl. It's not quite obsessed. No. (laughs) But nothing is. It's like, why are you so obsessed with me? (gasps) I
1: had a like flashback uh, playlist day the other day and so many Mariah songs came on and I was like,
0: fuck yeah.
1: Am I living my best life? Yes. Am I belting Mariah in the shower? Yes. Yes. Correct. I love that. All of that is correct. All right. All right, girl. You ready to get into it? I'm soy ready. Soy ready. I'm in on the joke. I love it. All right. So... I started watching a new paranormal show this week, mm-hmm. which was called Famously Afraid. Oh. Have you heard of
0: this? No, but I'm color me intrigued with that title. Okay,
1: girl, it's like celebrity ghost stories, but like all paranormal stuff. So they do like aliens, they do like oh shit, weird cryptid things, they do your normal ghost, the whole shebang. I'm so here for it. Girl, you fucking would be. First of all, actually, like, pretty well done. It's mostly interviews, very minimal reenactments and B-roll, just, like, kind of s- dispersed in there. Just smattering. Yeah. Just like a little sprinkle for flavor. Uh, so I watched, like, I'm ashamed to admit, probably, like, five episodes. <laughs> I think there's only one season. Yeah. Okay. So I got a lot of stories. I'm going to give you two, technically. Okay but one of them is very, very short. So I'm just going to give you the little blurb for it because I loved it so much.
0: Okay, I love it.
1: And also I felt like I couldn't do it because it's an alien story and I did an alien story last week and you know I don't like to (laughs) to put them back to back. Yep. Yeah. So actor and comedian Hal Sparks.
0: (gasps) I love Hal Sparks.
1: Yes, I do too. He's so funny and he- Also
0: haven't thought about him in like a decade.
1: Girl, same. I completely forgot about him. And then I was like staring. I'm like, where the fuck do I know him from? And then I was like, oh my God, he was in Queer as Folk. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh my God, I remember his comedy special Charmageddon back in the day. Mm -hmm. I was like,
0: dude, it's been forever. There was also a thing in the early to mid-aughts of like celebrities doing magic. (gasps) And Hal Sparks was definitely like the main dude.
1: Totally right. I totally forgot he did magic.
0: Yeah. But you're so right. Yep. Yeah. And of course I watched it because I love magic.
1: Of course. <laughs> and you love house sparks. Like what's not to love. I know it's,
0: it's a Venn diagram. Of my favorite things.
1: Yes. I love him even more now because apparently he says he was abducted by aliens as a kid. Get
0: the fuck out girl.
1: So classic. He's with his friends. They're in the woods. They see the UFO. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they wake up the next morning, like back in his house, and they have no recollection of how they got there. They remember literally everything up until seeing the UFO, and then it's absolutely blank. So they all talk about it. They agree. Everyone saw the same thing, and all of them don't know how they got back home. So he kind of starts researching this like throughout his life because he's like weirdly fascinated with it. He can't really forget about it. Sure. He's. Writing this script at the time about alien abductions, and he's like co-writing it with somebody. so he's doing a lot of extra research. he goes home for Thanksgiving, and he's never talked about this with his family, like never brought it up to anybody like very hush, hush about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So through his research, he does start to believe like, okay, I think maybe I actually was abducted because I have this period of missing time, and I don't really know what happened. But again, he's not really talking about it with anybody. Mm-hmm. So he's writing the script and this is when he's like doing kind of well in Hollywood. He goes home for Thanksgiving holiday Mm -hmm. and his grandmother's like, oh, like, what are you working on? Like, what are you doing on LA? So he's like, oh, I'm working on this script. It's about alien abductions and UFOs and stuff. Right. And she's like, oh, we could never talk about that with your grandfather. And he was like, why? What do you mean? What the fuck? And she was like, yeah, your grandfather saw a UFO and was convinced that the aliens were coming to get us and to take us and to do experiments on us. He says that he, his grandfather literally like went and got a shotgun and was literally like about to take the family out, I guess, is what the implication is from this. Holy shit, girl. So he's like, what the fuck? And so- Obviously, that didn't happen because everyone's... Who's
0: going to fucking Delbert Grady the family?
1: Apparently, because over aliens, he literally...
0: Yes. That's really upsetting (laughs) to find out as an adult. Like, by the way, your grandpa wanted to Jonestown the fuck out of all of us because of the aliens.
1: Right? At Thanksgiving. Just FYI. Like, obviously, I talked him out of it. Put the gun away. But yeah, FYI. So then she admits that she's seen the UFO... And that his uncle, his great uncle, had also seen a UFO. So he gets really freaked out because in his research, he read that it, like, follows your family. But it's typically, like, a family thing where they're tracking you. And he's thinking, oh, my God, like, this literally runs in my family. Like, it's been my grandfather and my grandmother and my great uncle. And it's everyone. Yeah. So after Thanksgiving, he goes back to L.A., he's like with his writing partner or whatever. And they're kind of stuck. They can't get to the end of the script. They don't know what the ending should be. So the guy's like, go to the bookstore and do some more research. And Hal's like, I've been a million times. Like I've read all the books they have there. Like, right. I'm not going to find anything. I don't really need to go back. And the guy's like, just, just go, just try and He's like, okay, whatever. Goes back to this bookstore and he's like, I've been to this bookstore so many times before this. And he's like, this book was never there before. Mm -hmm. He's like, suddenly I find this book called The Keepers, which the like subtitle of this is an alien message for the human race. And when he looks down, the author of the book is Jim Sparks, which he's Hal Sparks. So he gets super freaked out. And is like, oh, okay, like this is a sign. Yeah. That yes, this 100% happened to me. It happened to my family. And this like literally runs in my family. So that's why I love Hal Sparks so much more than I did before this. That's
0: fucking nuts.
1: Ah, uh, it's so great. And he's like so charming in his interview and just like super down to earth and tell it how it is. And is just like-
0: That was very much his vibe, which is why I really liked him.
1: Yes, I
0: love it. And he like breaks the fourth wall and gives you the little
1: like- Face a little like, come on, guys! Like you know what the fuck is up. The look of like, guys, yeah, I wouldn't fuck around with you about this. So yeah, Hal Sparks got abducted by aliens when he was a kid.
0: Spoiler, that's fucking wild.
1: I know, I know. I was really into the show. It sucked me in. I
0: I can tell. Big
1: time, big time. All right, so that was your little. That was your little amuse bouche. -bouche. Yes, your little hors d'oeuvre.
0: Psychic sisters, baby.
1: Girl. I was like, well, you did two stories last week. I was like, <laughs> sprinkle. I could sprinkle a little extra in here. So sources for my actual story. Famously Afraid, obviously, season one, episode one, Wikipedia, ghostcitytours.com, Phantoms.com.
0: Fuck yeah.
1: And interesting.com. So Chloe Lukasiak is a dancer, model, and actress who first rose to fame when she appeared alongside her mother, Christy Lukasiak, in the hit reality show, Dance Moms, mm. which, while I enjoy a good trashy reality show as much as The Next Girl, full disclosure, I've never watched a single episode of this show.
0: Me neither. Also, just like being nasty to kids is, is that I just can't get on board with that at all.
1: Yes, But this is also probably why I didn't realize that the show Dance Moms is also where Maddie Ziegler got her start. Yeah. Who's the little girl who dances and she is chandelier. I had no idea.
0: Yeah. And she actually was just on uh, interviewed somewhere being like, I'm so happy to be like out of that fucking studio and out of that show because it was the most toxic, crazy shit environment ever. And I'm so happy to be done with it.
1: Yes. That is kind of the general consensus that I've heard is that it's, it's a lot of, you know, verbal child abuse a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Not cool. So if you're unfamiliar with the show, Dance Moms is a reality TV show on Lifetime about the young dancers of the Abby Lee Dance Company's elite competition team and their often quarrelsome mothers. Mm. Chloe and her mom were two of the original cast members when the show started airing in 2011 when Chloe was only 10. She competed throughout the United States as part of the Abbey Lee Dance Company from the ages of 5 to 13 and won numerous titles at the regional, state, and national levels. And it was while she was on a trip for the show that Chloe had one of the most terrifying paranormal experiences of her life. So at the beginning of the interview for Famously Afraid, Chloe says, quote, I think I have a healthy fear of the paranormal, but I'm also weirdly intrigued and obsessed with all of it, end quote. I
0: mean... Girl, same.
1: Literally. <laughs>
0: like, literally same. In
1: parentheses after this, I was like, I know what Monique's going to say. And it's what I'm going to say, which is, <laughs> yes, hi, I see you. <laughs> yes.
0: absolutely.
1: You're speaking to my soul, Chloe, honestly.
0: Yeah, it's, that should be the title of my fucking autobiography. Like, let's be real.
1: Yes, girl. <laughs> it's like, I'm weirdly intrigued and obsessed by it. hmm Yes. But Chloe's biggest fear of the paranormal was messing around with it too much. Mm -hmm. She specifically didn't want to open any portals she couldn't close.
0: Yep. It's a smart cookie. Yeah. She knows what the fuck's up.
1: Me, I'd be opening portals willy-nilly and being like, oh, I'm sorry, do I have to close the Ouija board? I didn't know.
0: Right. I was just going to say, it's not like the people from last week with
1: all the Ouija board shit. Yes. And then I'd be haunted as fuck. So there you go. (laughs) So Chloe and her mom go on a trip to New Orleans for the show on a dance tour, and they're traveling with two of her friends who were also on the show and their moms. Mm -hmm. So after they do the show that night, the girls and their moms decide to go get something to eat and walk around the French Quarter. It was dark outside as they started to walk the streets and eerily quiet. Chloe described it as creepy and, quote, a perfect horror movie setup, end quote. Mm-hmm. I was like, which we've all had those moments when I'm like, yeah, walking around. I'm like, oh, great. This is where the murderer comes out. Cool. I'm getting get murdered today. Yep. Awesome. After they had walked around for a bit, they decided to take a page from Monique's book and go on a ghost tour. Fuck yeah. Girl, what else are you going to do in New Orleans? What
0: in New Orleans? You gotta. Yeah, that's what you gotta do. And she's a kid. She can't fucking drink. Like you're going to go on a ghost tour.
1: Exactly. So she doesn't say how old she is during this, but she left the show in like season four. So I'm assuming this is somewhere between 2011 and 2013. So she's probably 10 to 13 max. Yeah. Chloe admitted that she didn't know why they thought it was a good idea to go on the tour because they already thought it was creepy out, but they signed up for it anyway. While they were on the tour, the group stopped in front of the LaLaurie Mansion. Well, you're probably familiar with it since you're a regular on the New Orleans ghost tour circuit. <laughs> but for those of you who don't know, the LaLaurie Mansion is known as one of the most haunted houses in New Orleans. And there have been reports of paranormal activity coming from the house for nearly 200 years. Another fun fact I learned, Nicolas Cage bought the property at one point. He sure did. But he couldn't pay for it and it went into foreclosure.
0: Allegedly, that's one of the things the like curses of the house is that people that you're probably going to get into.
1: They can't afford it. And then, no, I don't really go into that part, but I'm so I'm glad you brought that up. But yes, Mm -hmm. that was one of the things it's like, it's the curse of the house. And so no one can
0: really keep it. I think it's also the fact that like Nicolas Cage spent his money on a bunch of stupid shit like dinosaur bones.
1: Yeah, and like a weird Illuminati tombstone
0: or whatever. Crypt. <laughs> his tombstone. His, I guess, mausoleum. I don't know.
1: Girl, I have no idea. I only know about that because of you. And even then I was like, I'm sorry. What? What
0: happened here? It's, it's the wildest shit. It's the most Nicolas Cage thing to ever Nicolas Cage. Is that tomb?
1: Yes. Correct. Mm. Ridiculous. But, you know, do you. Whatever. No judgments. I,
0: live your truth, man. Yeah.
1: The mansion located at 1140 Royal Street is named after the infamous Madame Delphine LaLaurie, which might ring a bell if you watch the third season of American Horror Story. Delphine purchased the property in 1831 during her marriage to her much younger third husband, the physician Leonard LaLaurie, and in 1832 had a two-story mansion with an attached slave quarters built at the address. As Chloe and her mother and their friends would soon find out, Laurie was well known in New Orleans for torturing and murdering her slaves. Funeral registers between eighteen thirty 1830 and eighteen thirty four documented the deaths of 12 slaves at the Royal Street mansion. Yikes, although the causes of death are not mentioned, so it's possible they died of just disease or something that's innocuous.
0: No, it's not. No. <laughs> not, not not fucking house.
1: But girl, as I'm going to get into, that's likely not what happened. Yeah. LaLaurie was apparently kind to enslaved people in public, and court records of the time even showed that she had freed two slaves. But still rumors about LaLaurie's mistreatment of slaves on her property were widespread enough that a local lawyer was sent to Royal Street to remind her of the laws for the upkeep of slaves. Although during his visit, it was reported that the lawyer found no evidence of wrongdoing or mistreatment of the slaves. However, we should take into account the general attitude Towards and treatment of slaves during this time. Mm-hmm. So that might not actually be saying much. Right. Because you're allowed to do a lot to them legally, I'm sure. Right. However, even after the lawyer's visit, one of LaLaurie's neighbors said they saw an eight-year-old slave girl fall to her death from the roof of the Royal Street Mansion while trying to avoid punishment from a whip-wielding LaLaurie. Mm-hmm. This incident led to an investigation of the LaLauris, in which they were found guilty of illegal cruelty and forced to forfeit nine slaves of their household. These nine enslaved people were brought back by the LaLaurie's though, through an intermediary relative and were returned to LaLaurie's mansion. Damn. Ugh. Fuck, dude. Yeah. But the true extent of LaLaurie's abuse of her slaves wasn't revealed until April 10th, 1834, when a fire broke out in the LaLaurie mansion. When the police and fire marshals got there, they found the cook, a 70-year-old woman, chained to the stove by her ankle. Mm -hmm. And she later said that slaves taken to the uppermost room never came back and that she had set the fire as a suicide attempt because she feared being punished.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Bystanders responding to the fire attempted to enter the quarters of those enslaved to ensure that everyone had been evacuated. Upon being refused the keys by the lorries, the bystanders broke down the doors to the quarters and found seven slaves, quote, more or less horribly mutilated, suspended by the neck with their limbs apparently stretched and torn from one extremity to the other, end quote. And this was reported in the newspaper like a day after the fire. Yeah, yeah. The tour guide told Chloe's group stories of LaLaurie's torture that included screwing something into one of her slaves' heads, but not deep enough to kill them. And said that she had even put someone in a coffin so small and for so long that their bones reformed. Mm -hmm. Which I know we've talked about this because of the Stranger Things thing, like the breaking bones and like something about bones and like your bones being like broken and reformed. Is They were
0: really into that. That bone shit of like, I don't know if you get into it. One of them, like she like broke their bones and reset them. That it was almost like a crab.
1: I've read that. Yeah. But I also know a lot of, so there was like, somebody wrote a book like way after everything went down that kind of took a lot of creative liberties. So the stories got more and more horrifying yeah. So it's kind of unclear, like how much was really exaggeration and storytelling after a certain point and how much was fact, but that was one of the stories and that really, really got me.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, the, this is the, the time period that this is it's owning a slave is very above board. Like everyone who has means has them, you know, and not everyone's it's within reason quote unquote for the time of you to like treat your slaves well. But again, you like beat the shit out of them. You rape them. Like that's totally above board. But the shit that these people saw in like that attic or whatever was so fucked up that the other slave owners in new Orleans. Yes. Ran these people out of town. Essentially. They're like, what the fuck is this? Yes. So You know, and I don't know if it's, like, a crazy, like, Dr. Mengele, like, Nazi experiment, like, crazy type of shit like that, but it was enough that all of the other slave owners were like, I'm sorry, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. That's over the top. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Like, we're beating them and, you know, doing whatever we want, but, like, we're not going that far.
0: Yeah. And, And it's, like, enough that there was just public outrage from everyone that these people had to hightail it the fuck out of there. Yes. Because they're like, oh, I mean, we're going to murder you, obviously, because like, what, like, what the fuck are you doing?
1: Yes. Like, a mob burned, like, tried to burn the house down after the fact, and they had to rebuild a bunch of it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, she literally had to flee the States to Europe, and she lived out, like, the rest of her life in Europe because...
0: She got away with it.
1: She got away with it. No justice. Nope. I was like, she was fine after that. Yep. But trash. Trash person. I mean, goes without saying. Yes. Correct. So as Chloe was listening to these stories, she started to get really freaked out. Mm -hmm. She said, quote, the whole experience was very sickening. It made me sick to my stomach. I got really weird feelings, end quote. And her mom, Christy, said that being there felt like a weight pressing down on her chest and she couldn't breathe. Mm. So I can't tell if they went inside the mansion. No. No. You don't. I know they don't allow people in now, and they haven't since 2013, but since this may have taken place before 2013, Mm. perhaps they did go inside. The reenactment shows them going inside, but my gut feeling is that they didn't. They were outside. Yeah. Still.
0: Okay. Noted.
1: Regardless, Chloe said, quote, you can feel the presence and the heaviness of it end quote. Mm. And according to her, it was just too much for her. She started to panic and hyperventilate. And she just had this overwhelming feeling that she needed to get the fuck away from this house. Sure. She's a kid. So she didn't say fuck. Obviously I added that for spice, but. Right.
0: But she meant fuck. But she meant fuck. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Fuck is the spice of life, Amy. Thank you.
1: Thank you. you. (laughs) So she was completely freaking out and she somehow ended up in the middle of the street. Suddenly, her mom screamed, and a car came dangerously close to hitting Chloe, stopping a mere foot away from her. Jesus. Yes. While she was relieved that the car had missed her, her only thought was, I need to get away from this house immediately. Mm -hmm. Then, as Chloe and her group were standing across the street from the mansion, the streetlight right next to where they were standing suddenly went out. None of the other lights on the street had gone out and Chloe said she knew this was not just coincidence and knew it had something to do with the energy or the spirits of the house. Before they left the Lori mansion, Chloe decided to take a photo of the front of the house. She didn't really know what had compelled her to take the photo, but she took several bursts of photos, which is when your phone, if you don't know, takes like 20 pictures all at once. Afterwards, the girls' moms decided to go to a cafe across the street. While they're sitting there, Chloe started looking through the photos she took. Her mom was watching her when suddenly Chloe stopped on one of the photos and went white as a sheet. In one of the photos Chloe had taken, there was a giant orb beside the door that wasn't in any of the other photos. And when she looked closer, she could see a male face in the window right above the front door. She said you couldn't see his lower body, just his face. And according to her, the man looked angry. Yes, you can't see Monique's face right now, but jaws dropped, girl. All the chills. All the chills. Chloe said it looked like he was watching her from the house and that he was mad. To her, it was clearly a man's face. She said, quote, it felt like I was looking face to face with someone, end quote. Mm. She showed it to everyone else at the table and they all agreed it was clearly a face looking out at them. She knows it sounds unbelievable, but said, quote, I saw it and so did she and so did everyone else that we were with, end quote. So everyone started freaking out about the photo which again is the only photo in the burst with this orb and this face in the window. All the other ones look completely normal. Chloe's mom wanted her to send her the photo because it was so crazy she wanted to send it to everyone. But Chloe said something told her not to send it. To quote, not create a link for it to travel, end quote. This is like the fucking ring tape. Right? Girl. Also... I would have fucked up so bad. Oh, same. Because I would have immediately like group messaged that to fucking everybody in my address book. I would have been like, you would not believe the shit I saw. Like, look at this fucking shit.
0: I've been like, guys, go on the Instagram and check out the
1: fucking picture. I just posted this crazy ghost photo. You're like, welcome to my portal, bitches. Sorry. (laughs) Girl, yes, correct. So she knew it sounded weird, but she decided to listen to her gut and she wouldn't send the photo to her mom. Mm -hmm. She decided to just put her phone away and try not to think about it and said she didn't want to think about it because frankly, it was really scaring her Mm -hmm. and she didn't know what to do and just felt this weird presence looming over her. So she just tries to put it all behind her and forget about it and enjoy the rest of her night. Mm -hmm. Eventually they went back to their hotel because they had an early flight the next morning, but Chloe said she couldn't sleep. Lying there in bed, she couldn't stop thinking about it and was terrified of what would happen if she were to fall asleep. Even though she was exhausted and wanted to go to sleep, she said her mind was too scared to fall asleep. She tried to snap herself out of it and convince herself that there was nothing to be scared of and that nothing was going to happen. She finally closed her eyes, but as soon as she did, she felt a presence around her. Mm-mm. Suddenly, there was a woman she had never seen before standing three feet in front of her. Get the fuck out. Girl. Again, she's like like 11 or 12 at this point. Uh-uh. Would not be handling this well at all.
0: No. No. Not at all.
1: The woman started screaming at her, and Chloe said, quote, I felt her screams everywhere. From behind me, in front of me, beside me, and I felt trapped. End quote. The woman screamed at Chloe, saying, He's following you and watching you, and he's not going to leave you alone. And Chloe felt like she was suffocating, like everything was crowding around her. Chloe said she thought she was losing her mind. She was sweating profusely and breathing really hard. She finally got the courage to turn the light on, but when she turned back around, no one was there. Immediately, Chloe grabbed her phone and deleted the picture. To this day, she believes that the woman was trying to warn her that she was trying to save her. Chloe said she thinks the picture opened up some sort of portal and she believed the only way for her to get rid of the presence was to delete it. If he was watching her, then deleting the photo seemed like the safest option. Uh-huh. Quote, like the only thing I could do, end quote. Mm. Chloe didn't sleep for the rest of the night. She wasn't sure who the man was and never found out. All she knew was that he was angry. She thought he was most likely one of the former slaves that had been tortured and was still trapped in the mansion. Mm-hmm. After her experience, Chloe said, quote, it definitely made me believe hundred percent in spirits and ghosts, end quote. Mm. Although most people would love to have photographic proof of their paranormal encounters, Chloe said, quote, I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't deleted the photo, end quote. Mm. So a little bit more history on LaLaurie Mansion. After the fire, the house was converted into an apartment complex and a tenant there was murdered <gasps> and the unusual nature of his death kind of suggested that there was some paranormal activity involved. What the fuck? Yeah. He told neighbors that there were quote unquote sprites in the house Uh-huh. and that they had been like messing with him. And that's... Jaws on the floor. Crazy. Even spookier, in the mid-19th century, the Lori Mansion functioned as an all-girls school where students often experienced bizarre and random physical assaults. Mm-mm. People have also reported hearing tortured shrieks and moans coming from within the walls.
0: Why the fuck hasn't there been a priest party in this motherfucker? Right? I don't, they're not letting anybody inside anymore, I guess. They're just like, no. I mean, I heard that when I went this year... Apparently, like some oil tycoon from Texas owns it, and like goes down for like Halloween. It does like really grotesque uh, Halloween decorations out front. To be very like, <laughs>
1: that's on brand. Yeah, that's morbid. Yeah, all right. In the murder house, and do I don't know. See you? All right. Sure. Whatever floats your boat, dude. Mm. Other people have reported smelling burning flesh. Ah. Or that they hear chains dragging against the floor. Ugh. Others have said they've seen actual ghosts, including a large black man in chains and a white woman with glaring eyes. Today, the House of Horrors, known as the Lori Mansion, remains an iconic New Orleans landmark. Mm-hmm. And if you want to go on a tour of it, you can... Either go on ghost city tours or French quarter and schedule a tour. They're not going to let you inside again, but you can go see the beautiful architecture and creepy presence of LaLaurie mansion.
0: Yeah. Every single, every single ghost tour goes by the La LaLaurie mansion. I mean, with a history like this, you can't. Exactly. Between that and American horror story, like everyone knows and everyone wants to see the fucking house.
1: Yes. For the record, None of the places they filmed in American Horror Story were LaLaurie Mansion. It's like... No. The inside is a building down the street, and I think the outside is a, another building on the like other side
0: of the street. Yeah, it's not, it's not that.
1: Like, none of it is LaLaurie Mansion. But, I mean, with a history like this, I'm not surprised. It's like, needs to be on a ghost tour.
0: Oh, I mean, absolutely. The... One of the last times... When I went to New Orleans last year, I went on a ghost tour and... My, my friend who I went with was like, let's take a picture in front of the, in front of the LaLaurie mansion. So, and we knew the spot was empty. We knew the spot was empty and it's this like big gray building. And it just is ominous. Like it, it feels ominous. It doesn't feel like the rest of New Orleans, like the rest of the French Quarter anyway. So we go like the tour ends and then me and my friend, and we knew that the, um, the place was empty because the, uh. The owner lives in Texas most of the time and really only goes down for, like, periodically and, like, Halloween. So we go in front of the door and, like, to do a selfie. And it's, like, whatever, like, 10 o'clock at night or whatever the fuck. And there was a huge bang on the door behind (gasps) us. And we, like, fucking bolted. We, like, screamed and hightailed it the fuck out of there. Like, maybe there was someone there. I don't know. Because there's not, like, a peephole. Okay. I don't know. But it was... I was like, mm, no, no, thank you. I'll stay on this side of the street. I don't I'm need good. to be on, the, on this yeah. side of the, the
1: house. Uh, but that was the personal story I needed for the LaLaurie Mansion. Girl,
0: yes. I mean, it's not, a, it's not a big one, but it's like, it just is. There's definitely been a few spots in in New Orleans. I mean, kind of everywhere, but like in New Orleans that I'd be like, I don't want to go in there. There's something in me that's like, don't, don't go in there. And it's very overwhelming with <gasps> the LaLaurie Mansion. That's like, don't. Don't go by there. It's just not, not I guess a good place.
1: Bad vibes. Okay. It's all the bad vibes. <gasps> okay. That's what I needed to hear. hmm Totally. I mean, uh, with its history, I'm not surprised. It's horrifying.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. And like I said, slave owners in the French Quarter were like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> this is fucking crazy.
1: Yeah. Settle down.
0: That story was amazing and fucking crazy. Holy shit. Thank you.
1: Check out Famously Afraid. I think you'll really like that show. I enjoyed it at least.
0: I'm excited. Where is it? Is it YouTube or?
1: You can watch it on Discovery Plus.
0: I don't know if it's on YouTube, but I watched on Discovery Plus. Cool. I'm absolutely checking that out. That was crazy. Yeah. Holy shit. And I allegedly Nicolas Cage said that it wasn't haunted because I think he had it for like two years, but Whatever, he's also Nicholas Cage. I think weird shit could be happening. He'd be like, ah, this is fine. He'd just be <laughs> Nick Caging out and, like,
1: raging somewhere, right. yeah. Exactly. Nick, the old Nick Cage rage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know. Nick Cage rage, I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, do you have some horrifying true crime for me today? Um,
0: I got some true crime. Okay. I do have some true crime. So I dropped the ball, guys. I am Cuban and I'm late to everything. And the end of June stuck up on me that by the time this comes out, it's gonna be July. But I did want to do a story for Pride Month, like I did last year. And the thing is, I I don't want to do a story about like this person was murdered because they were gay. Happy Pride. So <laughs> <laughs> you know?
1: that's respectful. That's yes, understandable. Yeah.
0: I think that that's not a way to celebrate, (laughs) you know, pride and queerness and and the LGBTQIA plus community. I mean, like, they got murdered for being exactly who they were. So at the 11th hour, I remembered the story. And I was like, great, I'm going to have it just in time for Pride Weekend. But it turned out that Pride Weekend just happened. So it's coming out in July. Sorry, I'm Cuban. I'm late for all the things. But it's well-intentioned. If nothing else, it's all that matters. So sources: reason.com, mps.gov, history.com, NPR.org, nyclgbtsites.org, Westsidespirit.com and the New York Times.com. After prohibition was repealed and alcohol was relegalized, state lawmakers created new agencies with the power to license the selling of liquor. In New York, the state liquor authority not only granted bars and restaurants the ability to sell liquor to customers, but also had the power to revoke the license of owners who, quote, suffer or permit their premises to become disorderly, end quote. What constituted disorderly behavior, you may ask? Well, according to police at the time, one man buying another man a drink or chatting him up in a flirtatious manner was enough grounds for an establishment to be charged with disorderly conduct in New York city, AKA drinking in a bar while being gay was illegal. And every bar or restaurant could be rated or closed down for being quote unquote disorderly. What the fuck? Yep. Chill. First of all, relax. Fucking Relax. With the rise of agencies like the SLA across the country, liquor license holders now had a potent legal incentive to shun LGBT clientele. It became almost impossible for queer people to freely express themselves and associate with one another in public. In 1939, the SLA shut down Gloria's Bar and Grill for, quote, permitting homosexuals, degenerates, and undesirable people to congregate on the premises, end quote. With one SLA investigator saying Gloria's manager was, and this is a quote, a fag and a leader of that element, end quote. Also, you're trash, which doesn't need to be stated, but clearly, fuck you. Bitch, yeah. Can you imagine that on the fucking, like, on the actual fucking paperwork that that's what you write? No. God. Get the fuck out of here. When the bar failed to comply with the SLA's order to get rid of all of its quote-unquote degenerate patrons— Gloria's lost both its license and the ability to license the premises to other owners for one year. Gloria's sued the SLA, arguing that the authority didn't actually have the right to ban serving gay people as long as they were behaving in an orderly manner. Nevertheless, the bar lost in court and on appeal. Without any judicial check on its crackdowns, over the next 25 years, the SLA closed hundreds of bars that catered to, or merely tolerated, gays and lesbians. As a result, the practice of refusing service to gay people or other people suspected of being gay in bars became common practice at the time. But the thing is, there weren't actually official laws in the books banning homosexuals from bars like Jim Crow laws in the South that forced racial segregation. Because a person's sexual orientation couldn't be discerned as easily as a person's sex or race. The New York State Liquor Authority instead based requirements for service on what was deemed orderly conduct quote-unquote. And intimate encounters between two men were deemed disorderly, so gay men were often refused service at bars. The SLA regulations were one of the primary governmental mechanisms of oppression against the gay community because they precluded the right to free assembly. This was particularly important because bars were one of the few places where gay people could meet each other. In the 60s, police harassment of gay bars was a top concern of the queer community in New York, second only to entrapment, and Dick Leisch, Craig Rodwell, and John Timmons were fucking over it and decided to challenge the New York State Liquor Authority. The three men belonged to the New York City chapter of the Mattachine Society, an early gay rights group and self-proclaimed quote-unquote homophile organization. So before Stonewall, most pro-gay groups preferred the neutral word homophile to the term homosexual because, as you may recall from last year's Pride episode, homosexuality was defined as a mental disorder in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders by the American Psychiatric Association until 1973. The Mattachine Society was founded in LA in 1950 and was named for a fictional jester who told truths to the king no one else dared to say. Its members often appeared on radio and television, and in a move that was incredibly uncommon because of the ramifications, whenever members of the Mattachine Society appeared on television, they wouldn't hide their faces. The Society represented, quote, the homosexual point of view, end quote. They also advised gay men on how to navigate arrests and sexting operations, and the members always presented themselves as model citizens in suits and ties. Member Randy Wicker said, quote, it was our responsibility to make gay people look as respectable as possible, end quote. Inspired by the successful model of the civil rights movement's sit-ins to desegregate the lunch counters of the South, Dick Leish, the leader of the New York chapter of the Mattachine Society, decided to stage a sip-in with two other members, Craig Rodwell and John Timmons. Leitch's plan involved the three men going to a bar, revealing to the bartender that he and his colleagues were homosexuals, and then being denied service. Once that happened, the Madison Society, with the support of the American Civil Liberties Union in New York, could move forward with action against the state liquor authority. So on April 21st, 1966, the day of their planned sipping, the activists invited four newspaper reporters, including Thomas A. Johnson of the New York Times, to capture the demonstration. The plan was to convene at noon at Village Hall, a Ukrainian-American bar on St. Mark's Place that had the very barf-tastic sign, quote, if you are gay, please stay away, end quote, hanging in its window, which, whatever, go fuck yourself. Ew, no. Literally. So Dick thought that it was the perfect spot to stage his sip in. However, Dick said, quote, being gay, we got there late,
1: <laughs> end quote. All the feels. I'm like, girl, I feel so seen. Um. I'm perpetually late. Yes, correct. Yes. Monique knows this very well. I mean, same.
0: In the 10 minutes the reporters were waiting for the men to show up, the New York Times reporter interviewed the manager of Village Hall and asked him what he thought about the gay demonstration. And the manager was like, excuse me, what? And promptly shut down the bar for the day before the men could make it. So the men moved across the street to the Dom, a club that by night hosted concerts by the Velvet Underground. It had a sign just as unwelcoming as the one at the Ukrainian spot, but the Dom was also closed. The men thought on their feet and headed to a place that was never closed, the Howard Johnson's on 8th Street and Avenue of the Americas. Dick said, quote, gay people used to go there after hours and in the men's room downstairs, they'd have a little sex. End quote. Just a little, just like a smidge. Just a little bit. It's fine. I get it. Just a little enough for you to know that it was happening. Be like, hi, what's up? The men sat in a corner booth, and when the waitress arrived at the table to take their order, the activist handed the waitress a statement that read, quote, We are homosexuals. We believe that a place of public accommodation has an obligation to serve an orderly person, and that we are entitled to service so long as we're orderly. End quote. The flustered waitress called over the manager and showed him the note. The manager in turn said, quote, why shouldn't they be served a drink? They look like perfect gentlemen to me, end quote. Thank you. Yes. Correct. Response. Thank you. Correct. Not just that. And the manager ordered the waitress bring the men drinks on the house, which, correct. Yes. I like this guy. Okay. Hojo's. Love it. In one of the articles written about the day, the Hojo's manager was quoted as saying, quote, I don't think the government has any right to question a man's sex life, end quote, because they fucking don't. Correct. Yes. Thank you. While this was great that the men were being served and were being treated with respect, Dick started to panic a little. The whole point of this demonstration was to show that bars discri- discriminated against gay patrons. He's like, this is going too well. Yeah. <laughs> this is like, guys, it's like the one fucking day that we're being treated
1: nice. They're actually not doing what we want. Yeah.
0: <laughs> discriminated against gay patrons, not because of their disorderly conduct, quote unquote, but because they were gay. Dick said, quote, we thought, what do we do now? What if no one refuses us? End quote. So the men moved on to the mafia-owned tiki bar, the Waikiki. Again, the men handed over their statement that they were homosexuals and they didn't mean any trouble, just wanted service. And again, the bar's manager was brought over and the amused manager told them, quote, how do I know you're homosexuals? Give these guys a drink on us, end quote.
1: (laughs) I mean, we handed you a note that said it, but
0: like, okay, yeah. (laughs) But also thank you for the drink. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for the drink. At this point, John Timmons told the other man, quote, I'm starting to feel drunk. We better get this done already, end quote. It was like, best, like,
1: peaceful protest ever. It was like, I'm, like, wasted. I don't know (laughs) that we've accomplished anything, but, like, I'm here for it.
0: I didn't pay for a single fucking drink, and I'm wasted. And everyone is treating us with the utmost respect. (laughs) That
1: sounds lovely,
0: actually. Yeah. Right? Desperate, the group headed to Julius's on 159 West 10th Street and Waverly Place, where they were met by Randy Wicker, who was joining them for the sip-in. The building that houses Julius's dates back to 1826 and has been a bar since 1864. Randy described it as, quote, a rather dull neighborhood place, which was about three-quarters gay. I called it a closet queen bar, end quote. And here's the thing, the men knew that Julisa's had to refuse them service. The bar had recently been raided, and the night before, a man who had been served there had later been entrapped by an officer for, quote, gay activity, end quote, meaning that the bar was in jeopardy of losing its liquor license. As they entered, the men clocked a sign behind the bar that read, quote, patrons must face the bar while drinking, end quote, which was a directive to curb gay patrons from cruising. Like... This is so fucking ridiculous and obnoxious. I actually can't even handle it. Also, sometimes I like to people watch. Like, don't- Yes, exactly. Control me? Don't, yeah. I'm paying you money. No, what's the fucking issue? And I'm not starting shit. What's the issue?
1: Why do I have to stare at the wall of liquor behind the bar?
0: I know, God.
1: Get some entertainment? Son of a bitch.
0: Dick Leisch recalled, quote, when we walked in, the bartender put glasses in front of us and we told him that we were gay and we intended to remain orderly. We just wanted service. And he said, hey, you're gay. I can't serve you. And he put his hands over the top of the glass, which made wonderful photographs, end quote. Because remember, they were bar hopping with four reporters in tow. And the moment was captured in a photograph by Fred McDara for The Village Voice. This resulted in unprecedented coverage of LGBTQ activism and civil rights. The next day, the New York Times ran the article about the event with the headline, quote, three deviants invite exclusion by bars, end quote, which Jesus fucking Christ, New York Times.
1: Yeah. Hyper, uh, hyperbolic much? Come on. Like, look at your
0: life. Look at your choices. Ew. (sighs) Disappointed, first of all. I mean, obviously. Yes. Two weeks later, a far more sympathetic piece appeared in The Voice, The publicity prompted a response from Donald S. Hotstetter, the chairman of the New York State Liquor Authority, who denied that his organization ever threatened the liquor licenses of bars that serve gays. Of course not. Right. Of course. That's not. We never did that. We never did that. Never. And that the decision to serve was up to the individual bartenders, which go fuck yourself. At that point, the Commission on Human Rights got involved and its chairman, William H. Booth, told the Times in a later article, quote, We have jurisdiction over discrimination based on sex. Denial of bar service to a homosexual solely for that reason would come within those bounds. End quote. The reaction by the state liquor authority and the newly empowered New York State City Commission on Human Rights resulted in a change in policy and the birth of a more open gay bar culture. What that meant, of course, was that you could be gay and drink in a bar as long as you weren't super gay about it, aka no flirting, kissing, cruising, etc. You definitely had to be closeted while drinking in bars for the most part. But like, if a bartender clocked that you were gay, they couldn't refuse you service.
1: I just want to get a fucking drink and be myself. Like, is, what's
0: the fucking problem? Can I just get a, Fucking vodka sod in this motherfucker? What the fuck? you being really not cool right now, for the record. Yes. <laughs> Scholars of gay history consider the Sippin at Julius's a key event leading to the growth of legitimate gay bars and the development of the bar as the central social space for urban gay men and lesbians. In New Jersey, the Mattachine Society decided to sue bars that refused service to gay people. And in 1967, the state's Supreme Court ruled that, quote, well-behaved homosexuals, end quote, could not be denied service. The ruling went on to say, quote, in our culture, homosexuals are indeed unfortunates, which go fuck yourself, Supreme Court. That's kind of the, uh, <laughs> that's kind of the theme of the week, but their status does not make them criminals or outlaws, end quote. And while the Stonewall riots are often considered the start of the gay rights movement, the sip-in at Julius's, which took place three years prior and just one block away from Stonewall, was the first to get the ball rolling. Andrew Berman, executive director of the Greenwich Village Society of Historic Preservation, said, quote, by all accounts, this was one of the first, if not the very first, planned act of civil disobedience for LGBT rights. It set a lot of incredibly important changes in motion, end quote. In addition to being the site of the SIPPIN, Julius's is the oldest gay bar in New York City and has been the setting for such gay-centric films as The Boys in the Band and The Normal Heart. In December 2015, Julius's was included in the New York State Register of Historic Places, and in April 2016, Julius's was added to the National Register of Historic Places. On April 21st of this year, 56 years to the day, the men of the Madison Society staged their sip-in, people gathered at Julius's on West 10th Street to celebrate the bar and its history as a permanent plaque was installed to enshrine its contribution to gay civil rights. Andrew Berman said, quote, what we're doing is we're helping people understand that the process of getting to where we are today was a long and slow one that took a lot of bravery, a lot of perseverance, and a lot of forward thinking by a lot of people, not all of whom are that well remembered today, but they should be. End quote. That gave me chills. Mm-hmm. I love that. And at the event where the plaque was, was put on Julius's, Randy Wicker, who is the last surviving member of the Mattachine Society, got up and spoke to the crowd. And he said, quote, so there are two reasons that Julius's is my favorite bar. First of all, it's because it was the place where we started the ball rolling to liberate our society from the mob. Because also, like, the only place you could go to as a gay person that kind of wouldn't start shit with you was they were all mob owned and they would like overprice your drinks and they'd water down your drinks and you couldn't say anything about it. Cause you had literally nowhere else to go. Also
1: it's the mob. They literally murder people. Like no, I'm not going to say shit. Like, um, my drinks actually really weak. Can you make me another one? Thanks. No, exactly.
0: The second is a little bit more personal and Randy pulled out a New York Times clipping that was encased in plastic and he said, "Quote, I got my picture two times on the obituary page of the New York Times and I'm still here at 84 years old to tell you about it." What? And <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck that situation is. That's literally insane. <laughs> and say I'm still here. I'm still fighting. I'm the last Mattachino and will stay active as long as I can, end quote. And that is the story of the sippin that started the gay rights movement.
1: I loved that story so much. Yeah. I, that actually kind of gave me chills. hmm I loved it. I love that. I actually, I knew of that, but I didn't really know all of the details. So I appreciate that story.
0: Absolutely. And I feel like we needed something a little bit hopeful and uplifting after this week.
1: Yes. I'm glad that wasn't gruesome, like assault and murder story. I really appreciate that. But is this man a ghost? Why does he have two obituaries?
0: I have no fucking... Maybe like there was... Like, you know how there's always like these like celebrity death hoaxes? Yeah. Maybe it was a similar thing of like, uh, I don't know.
1: That's crazy. Also, I would totally carry that around and whip that out at any any point in time, like for conversation purposes. I mean, it seems like he does. (laughs) Yes. It was like, is there any other response? I would literally be like, here's my obituary, by the way. Yeah. Fun fact, they thought I was dead. I'm not. Surprise.
0: And yet, you know, again, another example of progress while slow is certain. And we just have to keep keep on keeping on. Keep our eye on the prize. Keep on trekking. Got it. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much for that story. I loved that. That, like, makes me hopeful.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I thought we needed a little hope this week. I do. But it's really funny because most of the articles don't mention that... <laughs> The, other than the first two bars were, that were closed, the other ones were like, nah, man, we're going to buy you a round. We're good. Yeah. You look nice. You're wearing a suit. Like, here you go. Enjoy. It was like, you're not starting any problems. Here's, here's a fucking round on us. And they're like,
1: I'm like four drinks deep and we need to find <laughs> someone who will refuse us service. I can't do another round. Thank you.
0: But also, you know, also a, a nice reminder, too, of even then, there were still people On their side, you know, it wasn't as hopeless as if we weren't complete trash. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not always as hopeless as it can appear as it looks. Yes.
1: It's nice to remind ourselves that not everyone is always complete trash. Yeah. It's hard sometimes. Even when, yes, historically humans are just kind of trash. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Yes.
0: And we've kind of set up 50% of a podcast to reinforce that (laughs) people are fucking trash. Girl.
1: Yes. A (laughs) hundred percent, Max.
0: Thank you so much for your double story. Guys, you're getting so spoiled. You got three stories the last two weeks. So spoiled. No, I couldn't help it. Fucking nuts. I was so here for it. I was like, I just
1: needed another little alien story. I was like, I can never get enough. I mean, it's fucking crazy. So crazy. I, yeah, I really recommend watching his story because obviously it's quick to kind of give you the whole breakdown in a few minutes, but he does a great job of telling it. And I was riveted. I love it. That's also in the first episode. So
0: check it out. Okay, cool. I love House Sparks. I'm definitely, definitely going to check out this show because I obviously need it in my life. Girl. Yes. Girl. Thank you guys so much for listening. We're so fucking obsessed with you. If you don't already follow us on the gram, you should. We're at another fucking horror podcast. You can find me, Monique Sanchez, at pin up girl mo.
1: You can find me, Amy Traden, at lobotomy, and that's lobot, period, Amy.
0: Every sixth episode, we do a true listener tales episode where we read your crazy stories. So if you have one and you want to submit it, or you just want to say hi, email us at another fucking horror podcast at gmail.com with a period instead of the UN fucking. Guys, we're so fucking obsessed with you. Thank you so much for listening. And, you know, just hang in there. It will get better.
1: We're going to get through this somehow,
0: some way. We're going to get through this. Again, progress is slow but certain. Keep it cute. Keep it creepy. Smash the patriarchy. Smash the fucking patriarchy. (laughs) Bye. Bye.